One. So we've been talking about um, Zazen, some focused on Zazen. Got it. We are now recording. So we've been talking about Zazen some. And um, I thought I'd talk a little bit more about it today and also talk about um, faith, transition, stability, uh, in particular, transition. Um, it's a big part of our lives. Would you agree? And um, sometimes transitions can be large. Sometimes they can be small. Um, and when we are presented with a transition, we have the opportunity to reflect on what gives us stability, a sense of ease that comes from remembering what's really important to us. So uh, it seems to me that um, remembering what is central to our lives and having faith in it is crucial. Um, it sets our life in order and it brings a sense of perspective, a kind of joyfulness and humor, very important, as well as um, a kind of sense of energizing dedication. Um, it's important that this is not what we we might think we should care about or what gives us a feeling of excited energy, but what recalls us to something deeper than all that. Um, I know some people get itchy when I use the word faith and that's fine, you can get itchy and then you can ask lots of hard questions about it. One thing we know about the Dharma is that um, it flourishes. It flourishes with hard questions. So there, there, there's no need to have any fear or judgment about like, you know, ask away. And often the questions that we don't ask are the questions that other people are thinking and are afraid to ask too. And they may seem simple but they're often the wisest questions. So um, by faith in this context and this practice, I mean faith in the Dharma, in the practice, not as a promise of anything in particular, like, oh, if I do, if I, I have faith that this particular thing is going to come. And I'm just going to get me something. But, but as an orienting principle that we can rely on, that we can trust, we can have confidence in. The me, the me that remembers this faith, this entrustment is different from the me that is caught up by our ordinary ways of thinking. 
um, doesn't exclude our ordinary ways of thinking, but it places it in a broader vision. So this sustains us and guides us. Anxiety and shoulds and a sense of success or failure or judgment or comparisons, just they don't have as much sway when we remember what's important to us. I, I recently heard a short talk by um, Father Cyprian. Any of you know Father Cyprian? He's um, the prior at New Kamaldoli uh, Monastery down in Big Sur. Uh, a really beautiful place. And I'm, once the road gets open again, I plan on visiting it and spending a little time there. Um, in his tradition, they, they place three things on the altar the wine and bread that they use in mass and um, the book with their vows in it. So I, when I heard this, I thought, well, this is what we do with our lives. Um, we place them on the altar of reality in Zazen. And as a community, we entrust ourselves to the Buddha way and we're supported by it or in supported to practice in ordinary, in our ordinary lives. So Father Cyprian says, we offer our lives and they are returned to us transformed. So we might wonder how that is, but in Zazen, we offer our breath, our being, our body, we offer it to this practice. We sit as we say in the faith that we are Buddha. How's that? <laughs> this one? How can that be? So we say, please tell me how this works and well, what it will do for me. Good questions. What does this mean? I wanna know before I do this crazy thing. But we may never know. Meaning and not meaning, knowing and not knowing are not relevant to this. We can come up with them and that's a fine thing. And it's good to ask these questions. What, how, why? But more important is just to do it and see, just to do it and see. It's like swimming, right? It's like walking. It's like singing. It's like anything that we do in our life fully. Dogen Senji says in, in Shoji, birth and death, just set aside your body and mind and throw them into the house of the Buddha and then all is done by Buddha. <clears throat> and he says, we become Buddha without effort or calculation. So this word calculation is an interesting one. Calculation in Japanese is hakarai, hakarai. It means to deliberate, to judge, to form a plan or design or to manipulate. As far as I can tell, it's a Japanese word that predates when Japan, when Buddhism came to Japan. So, you know, we have these opposable thumbs. <laughs> We're really good at manipulating things. You know, and we um, we like that. 
it's satisfying, isn't it? Like to figure something out and make it work. There's nothing wrong with that. But in the sense of our Buddhist practice, calculation is a way of trying to corral our spiritual practice, our zazen practice, the deepest meaning of our lives into something that we already know. When the, the whole point is to release ourselves from all the bondage that we come up with in our minds and hearts, right? I mean, isn't that what we want? We say we want that, and then what we end up doing is concocting ways to get it that are based on the very bondage that we want to get rid of. It's a little screwy. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? We have these constrictions in our minds and hearts about the nature of reality and they cause us pain. They cause others pain. But that's all we know. So we say, I wanna know something different. I wanna be something different. I wanna grow something different. And to do that, we need to be able to let go of the ways in which we manage things. We tend to place ourselves in the center of the universe, relegating everything else to bit parts in this play. And that's a distorted view. It's toxic to us. We can see it's toxic to other beings. It doesn't mean that we don't value who we are at all. We do, we're worthy. Every single one of us, every single being is worthy. But we can spend hours and days and years and lifetime thinking and thinking, planning, strategizing, comparing, judging, more planning to reach a goal that we've come up with that may be like totally irrelevant. And in that, we can miss the beauty of our lives. Or we can um, flee from the whole project because we've made it very grim. So this is kind of calculation run amok. And it's such a deep habit of mind that it can be hard to spot. This is not the clarity of wisdom and the heart of wisdom. So there's a, a fascicle, a writing by Dogen, the founder of our um, school. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Um, that opens a door to a, a different vision and I thought I would read it to you. Um, this places Zazen at the center as the process that recalls us to who we are. And remember, this is not just about Zazen practice, meditation, formal meditation practice. This is about our whole lives. So, so I just invite you to listen to this, okay? Okay, okay, yeah. Zazen, even if it is only one human being sitting for one moment, 
thus enters into mystical cooperation with all dharmas, with all aspects of reality, and completely penetrates all times. And it therefore performs within the limitless universe, the eternal work of the Buddha's guiding influence in the past, future, and present. The practice is not confined to the sitting itself. It strikes space and resonates like ringing that continues after a bell. How could practice be limited to this place? All concrete things possess original practice as their original features. It is beyond comprehension. Remember, even if the countless Buddhas in 10 directions, as numerous as the sands of the Ganges tried with all their power and all their Buddha wisdom to calculate or comprehend the merit of one person's zazen, they could never even get close. So even if all the Buddhas and ancestors, everyone tried to calculate what this zazen is, they couldn't even get close. So this is an inviting um, of us to something that's um, alive, not uh, limited to our ideas. Your zazen, one moment of your zazen, not somebody else's zazen, maybe somebody else's zazen, but this is personal. This is about you reorders our world and who we are. It's concrete as your body, your breath, the steps you take, and it's for everyone in every life, no matter what, not just for a few. And not if, if you can only arrange your body in certain ways or you can only put on, put on special clothes or get anywhere, it's for everybody. It's not limited to our ideas about it, the aims or plans or calculations that we have. It is this complete cooperation of all aspects of reality. It includes all times. The we that we think we are is included. And we are also all of it, completely particular and specific and completely inclusive. Zazen, as Dogen Zenji says, performs within the limitless universe, the eternal work of the Buddha's guiding influence in past, present, and future. So this sounds like there's some like person out there, doesn't it kind of sound like that? Or maybe that's just me. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying the whole world, as Shinji likes to say, the whole world is worlding the world. The whole world is active. All aspects of life work together. Every dimension. Each aspect gives itself to the whole of reality. Each is essential. Each is a gift. As are you. When we entrust ourselves to zazen, when we entrust ourselves to our lives, we can taste this truth. 
all concrete things already a part of this reality. So we don't need to try and gain anything. When we sit down, we're not aiming to gain something. We don't need to try and calculate what we can gain or what we will lose. There's no need for that. We just present ourselves to this right here. This is beyond comprehension. Doesn't mean we don't try. Doesn't mean we don't engage. We don't have to corral all this into our ideas. If we practice in this way, we will be released from binding ideas. Just, just simple, just totally simple. This breath, this body, this life, engaging with this cranky neighbor, taking care of the dog, washing the dishes, being alive, balancing your checkbook, all of these things are included. Following this path is a day-to-day -day expression. Kindness, respect, listening, caring, discerning, setting and following priorities. What is your deepest value? Every single time you return to that, and make an effort to live according to it. You, you actually become that. And you remember, oh, right, that's who I am. Successful or unsuccessful, what matters that, is that you have aligned yourself with something that's steady, kind, day-to-day -day effort. This is the source of our stability, I think, especially in times of transition. Transitions come and go. Life comes and goes. This way of living is not swayed, even as you feel the power of change. There's fear and grief, a sense of opening something new, not excluding anything. When we don't exclude anything, we discover that what can hold everything? This is stabilizing, clarifying, liberating. When we ask ourselves to center ourselves in such a way, we find that this is worthy of our lives. As a challenge, any path is a challenge, right? Life is a challenge, it's not easy. And it sometimes requires sacrifice. Sacrifice is is a word, actually, I learned this recently. It's, it's based on making things sacred. I thought that's pretty cool. So what do we find in our life that's precious and sacred? 
what do we want to place in the middle? All of us have this, every single one of us. And sometimes we have to leave some things behind, but we can be paralyzed if we have too much. So we sit fully in the midst of our lives, not hiding from them, as if we could hide from them. <laughs> and we come to know some quiet, silence, mystery. We come to know ourselves as different, perhaps, than we thought we were. Capable. We see our gifts and our foibles and our strong voices. We err, we bumble, we fall down, we get up. This is, as someone in this room likes to say, not a world of rainbows and unicorns. So it may not be a world of rainbow and unicorn, but it is a world that's worthy. And so are we. So we, we look to that which gives us stability in times of transition. We look to a practice, whatever it is, that guides us, a community that supports us with kindness, respect, love, inclusion. We find our stability in that. So um, I'd like to ask you to sit with me for a few minutes and I'd like to uh, read this section by Dogen Senji slowly. And let's walk through this practice together, okay? So find a um, stable posture, doesn't matter what it is. Um, for this, um, take a few breaths. Just take a few breaths. Don't have to be big breaths or small breaths. Feel your butt on the floor or the chair. Your feet, your shoulders. Feel your head stretch up towards the ceiling a little bit, but at ease. We say, this is the dignified posture of a Buddha. You say, me? Yes. Zazen, even if it is only one human being sitting for one moment, 
thus enters into mystical cooperation with all dharmas. All dharmas, all of reality, right now. Your breath, your mind, your heart, moving in communion with all of reality, no separation. And completely includes all times. This moment. And it therefore performs within the limitless universe. the eternal work of the Buddha's guiding influence in the past, future, and present. The work of each element of reality giving itself each itself, each worthy, each to be respected, The practice is not confined to the sitting itself. It strikes space and resonates like ringing that continues before and after a bell. How could practice be limited to this place? All concrete things possess original practice as their original features. All, everyone, everything, already fully itself. It is beyond comprehension. So we don't need to worry about it. set all that down. Remember, even if the countless Buddhas in 10 directions, as numerous as the sands of the Ganges, tried with all their power and all their Buddha wisdom to calculate or comprehend the merit of one person's zazen, they could not even get close. Mm -hmm. 
This is the door that is open to you at all times. Sitting, walking, shopping. Thank you. Questions? 